someone had the absurd idea to invite me to share some thoughts with you today, the most holy of days. So I'm just as shocked as you are. Because <laughs> really, who am I to speak about the cross? Who am I to give some kind of cerebral analysis of an event which completely and totally transformed the entire cosmos for all of eternity. I mean, I'm just some millennial chick from Australia, just working out, like you, how to be human in the world. And I think that Jesus, He provides the best example for us about what it means to be human. And I'm trying to follow Him. And sometimes I can give expression to what that might look like on the earth. But really, most of the time, I'm just tripping over myself and falling on my bum, metaphorically and literally. <laughs> I, I grew up in church, which makes me kind of weird. But also, it means that I uh, grew up on some very sanitized, almost caricature stories of the crucifixion. Maybe you're like me. And so that kind of means that I can't really remember a time when I was apprehended by the reality of the cross. Maybe you've come here and you've had that moment yourself where you've been arrested suddenly by the gruesome and brutal reality of the cross. I didn't really have that until a couple of days ago, I know. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about the physical violence of the cross, whilst that is of course unimaginable, I'm, I'm talking about the psychological violence of it, the collective violence of it, the systemic violence of it, the violent emptiness of separation from God. And over the last week, I've kind of found myself in the biblical narrative of the trial and the death of Jesus. And, and even though I know it pretty well, it was almost like I had this moment where suddenly I was hit with it. Suddenly something within me that had previously been asleep was jarringly awoken. And if I'm honest, my response in that moment was something along the lines of, this is crazy. There was actually a swear word in there, but you can use your imagination. <laughs> How does the God of the universe, born in human flesh in Jesus, a poor, marginalized man of color, born of an unwed woman, a man who was meant to be despised and forgotten, a man who had nothing about him that would make us attracted to him, a man who washed the feet of the lowly, a man who hung out with crooks and lepers and prostitutes, a man who always took the side of the oppressed and the abused and the neglected, how does he end up wearing a crown of thorns, nailed to a cross, 
bearing the sin of the whole world. You can feel uncomfortable to stop at this part of the Easter story, hey, because we know the story. We know the end of the story and we love the end of the story. So what's the point of pausing here in the in the middle bit? Why do we linger here? John's gospel tells us of the women who were at the foot of the cross of Jesus. They were Mary, Mary's sister and Mary Magdalene. And imagine this, there they are at the foot of the cross, surrounded by brute Roman soldiers, jeering and gambling for Jesus's clothes. And there they are before Jesus, who was hung on a cross, naked, beaten and bloodied between two criminals. It must have been horrific, especially for the mother of Jesus. to be so present in grief, so present in sorrow, so present in confusion, and yet to not look away. There's something very human and very tender about that posture. I don't know about you, but I I used to rush past Good Friday because I like a party. So I like the celebration of Easter. I like the ta-da of the resurrection. It's just a little bit more fun, isn't it? (laughs) But the crucifixion, oh mate, that's that's a bit confronting, isn't it? Mel Gibson, a bit intense. (laughs) Chill out. (laughs) But actually, I think we can learn something from the women at the foot of the cross. I think we can learn something about what it means to pause. We can learn something about what it means to be present in a moment. We can learn something about what it means to contemplate long and hard the crucifixion. And yes, the end of the story, it's so significant and spoiler alert, it is coming. But the resurrection only really makes sense in light of the acknowledgement that Jesus first died. There is no great victory without their first being a tragedy. So to pause in this moment, it actually makes the resurrection of Jesus all the more glorious, all the more glorious. So I wanna invite you over the next couple of minutes just to journey with me as we contemplate the cross, and you might be thinking, it's not really what I signed up for when I came here. That's a bit intense. Much rather have a few beers in the park or watch the Beyonce documentary on Netflix. But <laughs> stick with me. Can I invite you in this moment just to sit in the discomfort, just for a moment, just to feel it, to welcome it, to allow it to help you look a little bit more deeply. Maybe you're like me, maybe when you look at the biblical narrative of Jesus' death, maybe you see in the story and in the story's actors something of yourself. Peter's anxious denial of Jesus, motivated by fear and self-protection. 
the mocking accusations of the chief priests and scribes fueled by self-righteousness and religion and rivalry. The visceral hatred of the crowd blinded by a mob mentality. Pilate's washing of his hands, driven by politics and indifference. I'm like that. And then there's Jesus, his isolation and agony and fear the kind of fear that makes your body sweat drops of blood, his experience of humiliation and ridicule and betrayal, even by those closest to him. His enduring of condemnation and abuse and extraordinary suffering. Maybe, maybe you see yourself there. Because I think when we stop in this story, we can see something of our humanity, not only reflected in the suffering of Jesus, but also reflected in the mentality of those who condemned him. We're in all of it. And that's uncomfortable to sit in. Why would God, the source and sustainer of all, humble himself in such a way to not only make himself subject to our humanity, but also to fully identify with it. The Apostle Paul, he writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, we preach Christ crucified. And it's a stumbling block, it's a scandal to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles. It's a scandal to those who would think that a true king would never be humiliated or suffer abuse or suffer death. And it's foolishness to those who would say, why would an almighty God render himself so vulnerable to humanity? It's a scandal to those of us who would think that our way unto perfect morality and right standing with God is through law and rules and regulation. And it's foolishness to those of us who would think that God should identify more with those who have power than those who have none. It's an unbelievable and outrageous idea that the primary force in driving the Son of God to death is love. The cross of Jesus Christ is a scandalous mystery. And we contemplate here, we stop here to become aware of that mystery and we are compelled to look again and then to take another look, and then to take another look again. We're not here, I hope not, simply to have our minds convinced of a tidy theory. We're here to have the Spirit of God make us come aware of a perfect and everlasting and unimaginable love. We're here 
to gaze upon the person of Jesus Christ. We're here to have our hearts moved. I think the cross of Jesus Christ, I think it, I think it heals us and it transforms us and it saves us as we behold it. It's good to do that. It's okay to do that. I invite you to do that. Jesus himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24. We don't really talk about sin a whole lot because it's pretty ugly to some of us. It's our universal tendency to mess up and mess things up. It's not our accidental stumbles where we forget our manners. It is, as Francis Spufford writes, our active inclination to break stuff. Break stuff in our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with other people and especially in our relationship to God. And the human condition is to kind of live in this vicious cycle of sin, rotating between agent and victim, degrading and destroying everything that's good. And it's both a prison and a burden that we will never be able to overcome on our own. But, <laughs> but God in Jesus bears our sin, our indifference, our shame, our injustice, our hatred, our violence. Jesus bears our sin in His body so that we might be forgiven of our sin and then liberated from it. Why? Because God so loved the world. The cross of Jesus Christ reveals to us the forgiving and co-suffering love of a father. And if you don't hear anything tonight, please pay attention to this. You are so loved. You're so loved. Really. So, so loved.
separate you from this love. So we don't contemplate the cross today just because of what it achieved in the life of the world back then. We contemplate what the cross has accomplished and is accomplishing in the life of the world today. What is Jesus, the co-suffering, forgiving, reckless love of Jesus accomplishing in the broken and hurting parts of your life today? That's what we contemplate.